He created this thing called the tree of 40 fruit. The tree of 40 fruit. And he did it at Syracuse University. And you can Google this. And you can find pictures and all different things about it. But here is what a fusion of several articles had to say about what our boy Sam created in this tree of 40 fruit. Here's what it says. In a fusion of science and art, ancient grafting techniques are being used to produce some very unusual trees. Each tree unique, a one-of-a-kind tree, is handcrafted in a process that can take up to nine years and can bear up to 40 different kinds of fruit. Fast forward, the tree of 40 fruit began as an artistic expression or an artistic exploration into the beauty and wonder of nature. Syracuse University told the Post Standard in 2011 that what he designed is living art. Hang on that for a second. Living art. And when interviewed, Aiken himself remarked this. I saw something on a website where somebody said that the tree of 40 fruit will end world hunger. <laughs> and Aiken remarked, uh, it's like, no, not really. <laughs> but what it can do, listen to this, what it can do, I'd like to think, is it can lead to that type of thinking. It can lead to that type of thinking. Did you know that Jesus has similar ideas? He has similar ideas. Here's what Jesus said in John 15, 5. This will be on the screen for you. Here's what he says. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears how much fruit? What's it say? Much fruit. God's vision for your life is that when connected to him, your life would produce not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit. But here's the key phrase. What's it say? It says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Can I just be honest? I think that's the greatest single struggle for a Christian in the United States of America. Because here's the reality that all week we produce and we do and we create and we do all of these things and it leads us to believe that we actually can do not even just something but most of what we need to do without the help of God. But wouldn't it be tragic if, like Jesus said, we were to gain the whole world and forfeit our soul? Wouldn't it be tragic as we participate in the lab initiative with our friends at V3 and we raise our portion, our $7,000, and I'll talk about that later, but wouldn't it be tragic if we contributed a whole lot of money to a great cause that Jesus is a part of, but missed Jesus. To rescue somebody here, but not for all of eternity. 
I love what Mark Batterson says about discipleship. It's a great, great way to think about it, right? Discipleship, and we talk about that in the church. It's a churchy word. But here's what he said, and I love it. Discipleship is growing fruit on someone else's tree. I love that. I love that. And all of this thinking has me thinking about the church. Right, we, we are finishing a series called Ordered Love, and it's the idea that uh, Augustine had way back at the beginning of the church, where he put out this idea that we love a lot of things. We were made to worship. We are lovers of things, but if it gets out of order, if we begin to love the created ahead of the creator, we are in trouble. And so we spent the last several weeks coming up to this point, and it's 1 Corinthians 13, 13, and it says this, So now faith, hope, and love abide, or some of your translations will say remain. But the greatest of these, the greatest, the most important of these is love. The only thing Jesus ever promised to build and not allow hell to prevail against was us, the church. Just just process that for a second. All the things that God could do, can do, does do, and he looks at all of that and says, no, 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 the thing that I want to flourish, to outlast everything, is... My church, the body of Christ, my son. Jesus made that promise to Peter. You remember when he had the highest of highs of any human being and the lowest of lows of any human being ever. (laughs) Right? Where Jesus is talking to his disciples about himself and he says, who do people say that I am? And they gave all kinds of answers, just like we would get. In our own culture, all kinds of answers about who Jesus is, a good man, a teacher, John the Baptist even. Maybe he's a great prophet or a teacher. All all those things, good answers, but wrong. And don't you remember when Peter steps up and says, no, 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 you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, the savior of the world, God incarnate, God in flesh, God on earth, looks Peter in the eye and says, The things of this earth have not revealed that to you. Only my Father in heaven could reveal that to you. Peter, upon this rock, by the way, not Peter as the first pope, but on that confession that Jesus is Lord, on that rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What an amazing scene, right? But it's just a few sentences later when Jesus is sharing that he's going to go to the cross and die. The Bible literally says, and we don't have time to go there, but you can later on your own because it's a great, it's a great exchange and it's helpful for us. But Jesus is sharing that and Peter, the Bible literally says, pulls Jesus aside to rebuke him. Come on, you can't tell me the Bible doesn't have some sarcasm. Can you imagine Taking God by the sleeve, pulling him off to the side like you would your child, and rebuking God in the flesh. No. You and I wouldn't do that. Peter would. 
<laughs> and what does he say? He, he rebukes and says, you're not going to die. And then we go from mountaintop, Peter upon this rock, to get behind me, Satan. That's a downer. That's a bad day. <laughs> when you go from, man, only heaven could reveal that to you. To only you could be the devil right now. But this is the place we vacillate between, isn't it? This is the this is the human struggle. It's already, but not yet. We've been talking about that. Is that we want to see the kingdom of God come on earth as it is as it is in heaven? And Jesus prayed that His church would be one to the glory of the Father. Massive, beautiful things. We're also told by Peter in First Peter two five. This will be on the screen for you. That we ourselves, you yourselves, he, this guy who heard it straight from the mouth of God, face to face. Tells us that this is the thing that God's building, that you yourselves, you could put your name there, you could put Redeemer City Church there, are like living stones, living art, the handiwork of God, the Bible tells us, his masterpiece, the thing he's building, you are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Every single one of you that confesses Jesus is Lord. Not me. You don't need me to get to the Father. You need only the Holy Spirit ushering you into the presence of God. What an amazing thing. You are a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Why do we sing so much? Why do we pray so much? Because we get the opportunity every Sunday gathered together to offer spiritual sacrifices to the greatest king that will ever live we're also told in scripture in ephesians three twenty, that it's in and through the church that god will do you know the phrase in ephesians three twenty, more than we could ask or even imagine listen i'll be real with you as a pastor for our church i can imagine a lot <laughs> i can imagine a ton of things that i think would be amazing for redeemer city church to do right here in Tampa Heights and the surrounding areas to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And we've started doing some of those. But it pales in comparison to what God's imagination can think up for his people. It's powerful. God tells us that the church is his body in 1 Corinthians twelve twelve. Listen to this. For just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. You and I literally belong to each other. That I can't do what I need to do without you doing what you need to do, and you can't do what you need to do without me doing what I need to do. That was the idea that we would be one. The church... It's pretty important stuff. It's how God chooses to animate himself in the world. It's how, it's how people will see Jesus through the church. And so as we wrap this series up, it leads us to that important question. What is the church? It's all of the things I just said. It's the body of Christ. It's the thing he's building, the spiritual house. I love the way Paul 
opens this letter to his friends in Corinth. And by the way, they had a ton of problems. A ton of problems. But in verse 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul basically, in one sentence, tells us what the church is. And if love is the greatest thing that remains for God's people... And God, actually, the Bible tells us, is love. He's the perfect embodiment of love. And he's choosing to show that love through us. We better understand exactly what the doctrine of the church is. What are we? This spiritual house that God is building. Listen to this statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. I think it will be on the screen for you. I just want you to sit with this for a minute. Here's what Paul says to the church of God in Corinth. The church. To those, listen to this, sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Sanctified. So here, according to God's word, right? Listen to this. The church, the body of Christ, is a group of people. We could take this outside into a field, way too hot today, but we theoretically could walk out of this place into the parking lot or into Armature Works or onto the lawn outside of Armature Works. And as long as we're there... Together, gathered, we are the church. Because the church is a people. But it is a people, a group of people that are called to something. Look at what it says. We are saints. Who are sanctified, called, and together. Incredibly important. For you to flourish as we've been talking about through this service in God's love as a human being on this planet. That apart from this idea, you'll never fulfill all that God has for you. So let's break each one of those down briefly. And then we'll take communion together to just wrap this series up and launch us into the season leading up to Easter. But We're first of all, the Bible says, called to be saints. I'm going to take you on a whirlwind tour of the Bible today, okay? So uh, you might need to rewatch this later or listen to it on the podcast. But called to be saints, where does that come from? I'm not a saint. You don't don't even know me. I'm not a saint, but you are a saint. Listen to how God describes bringing you into the family. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 through 10 says this, blessed be the God and what? Father. He's our father. Hugely important. Is that even a phrase? Hugely important. I don't know. Any English majors? Hugely important idea. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Who has blessed us in Christ. Very important. In Christ. With Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Listen to how God talks about you. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Saints. You're holy 
and blameless before God. I don't know what you walked in here carrying today, what kind of shame, what kind of regret, what kind of decision making, what kind of lifestyle. I don't know what you walked in here with, but I want you to know that in Christ you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And in him there is no shame. You are a child of God, holy, blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. We have tons of adoption stories in this room and watching online in our family, our community. It's a small taste of the picture. It's an imperfect taste, an imperfect picture of what God the Father has done for us. For destined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. Verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved, the church. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. I love that phrase, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. Listen to this, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Listen, if you are in Christ, you are a saint. When God the Father, the judge of everything that there is, looks down from the corridors of heaven and into time. He does not see who you have been. He sees who Jesus was for you. And that, friends, is great news. Amen? It's a great spot for us to pause and worship the Lord together. That we're saints to the praise of his glorious grace. But we are also saints who are sanctified, right? It says those saints sanctified in Jesus Christ, that there's not just that passive thing happening that we don't earn, but there's also an active thing happening in which you are actively being sanctified by God. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. It says this, but we ought also always to give thanks To God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord. Listen to this, because God chose you as the, here we are again, first fruits, back to the fruit, to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Why do we gather and do very specific things here on Sunday? Why when you go to a city group is it wrapped around this idea of being on mission for God where we look at the word, we pray with each other, we serve with each other, we're in the community with each other, actively bringing God's kingdom on earth. Why? Because we are being actively saved, sanctified by the spirit and the belief in the truth. Why do I stand up here and yell at you for a few minutes? Because we want to believe in the truth. Because, listen, newsflash, the news isn't going to tell you the truth. Your social media pages aren't going to tell you the truth. All the people you interact with there probably aren't going to tell you the truth. Some will. But how do you know 
what is true. You go to the thing that hasn't changed in thousands of years. Everything else changes constantly. But there is one thing that never changes. It stood the test of time and it always will. It's the truth. And so we're sanctified in Christ when the word is open and we're praying and uh, entering into that place by the Spirit of God. Through sanctification by the Spirit. He's actively at work in your life. And so uh, we had our first Leadership Academy meeting this past Thursday, if you remember us announcing that. And it was a ton of fun. And so we'll do it again, so don't worry if you didn't get to do it this time. We'll bring it back around. But there was probably 10 or 12 of us just talking. And we were talking about this idea of what is sanctification. Because we've most of us who have grown up in church have been told as well. And then it's the greatest missionary we've ever seen. He got to write a bunch of our Bible. That guy, at the end of his life, writing to his friends in Rome, says, I'm not the guy who I am supposed to be. That's incredibly encouraging, <laughs> hopefully, to you. That even Paul, at the end of his life, recognized. And, and would we say Paul got better and better as time went on? Yes. <laughs> Paul got sanctified, right? Like he was getting better and better. But yet, what was his posture? I'm not who I'm supposed to be. You see, because sanctification, if you want to get better and better, is not going to happen by you trying to get better and better. It's going to happen by you becoming and I becoming and us becoming more aware of how much we need Jesus. That's how we get sanctified by the Spirit and believe in the truth. That's the way forward. It's not that you aren't going to be sanctified and you aren't going to get better, but you are going to get better in a very specific way or you will burn out and the focus of your Christian faith will be you instead of what Jesus has done for you and through you. So we're sanctified. So we're saints, sanctified, and then I love this phrase, called to be. Called. If we go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says this to his other friends in Ephesus. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. What have we been called to? Go back to Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. Here's what we've been called to. Here's what we walk in every day on mission for Jesus. Mark 16 and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. We have an urgent calling from God. Every single one of you, including me, we, every single one of us, know people who are not in the family of God, are not confessing Jesus as Lord. And you and I... As we're sanctified as saints in the family of God are called to go to those people and share good news. That's what the gospel is. It literally means good news. You don't have to share a ton of bad news with them. You can say, listen, all those things you struggle with that I know you struggle with, me too. But let me tell you a great story about a God who loved you enough to send his son into this world, not to condemn you, John 3.17, but that through him you might be rescued, saved. We share the gospel. 
with the whole creation. Anybody who will listen. Listen, we, we as the 21st century United States of America church, Redeemer City Church, we have to get back to the calling of sharing our faith, of sharing the gospel with everybody we come in contact with. It's been far too easy to not be about it. It's been far too easy to just be a fringe Christian and enjoy the music and enjoy the sermon. And it makes me a little uncomfortable sometimes, but I get through it because sometimes Mitch tells a joke and it's fine. But listen, at the end of the day, I could be the funniest person on earth. No comments. And it wouldn't matter at all. You'd be wasting your time. If the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to us through the power of his word, we're wasting our time because we have a calling. We have been brought together as a family, a body, and we've been sent into Tampa for a very specific reason. To be on mission, inviting people into the greatest thing that has ever been built. Which leads us to the last portion, together. Together. Very important part of that. We're saints, sanctified, who are called, and we do it together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 say this, And let us, key word is us, all of us together, let us consider how to stir up one another to what? Love and good works. Love is the greatest thing and it produces in us good works, not because we have to do it, but because when we are in love with Jesus and loving each other, we can't help but look with Jesus and love the city around us. Not, listen, oh, here we go, verse 25, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day is drawing near. Every election cycle, we as Christians look and we say, the day is drawing near. There's no hope there. Do you believe that? There's no hope there. That's why we swing the pendulum back and forth in this country, because there's no hope there. We try over here and we say, oh, that didn't work out. So we swing back over here and we say, oh, that didn't work out. So we swing back over here. Oh, it's still not working out. Still not working out because it's not going to work out because we're citizens of a different land. Citizens of heaven, the Bible tells us. We consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as the day draws near. Ephesians 4.16, huge passage. But let me give you just one piece. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Every single one of you have a part to play in Redeemer City Church, bringing the kingdom of God to Tampa as it is in heaven. Please hear me on that. We need you to do what God's called every single one of you to do. Whether you're in high school or college or a young adult who's in the workforce and you're up to your neck in work and you're like, this is not what I signed up for, this is not fun, all the things... If you've got little kids or grown kids or now you're an empty nester going, what am I supposed to do with myself? Exactly what God has created you to do because look at what it says. It says when each part is working properly, 
every one of us doing what God's called us to do in the body, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that what happens? It builds itself up to be awesome. That's not what it says. What does it say? It builds itself up in what? Love. We'll know we've arrived when our first reaction is to love. Somebody did this to me. Gosh, I, I love them. Why, why would they do that? Let me go talk to them. Because I love them too much. We could go on and on and make, why did my spouse, why did my kid love? I'm preaching to myself now. So why a local church then? Listen, I'm very aware that you can get on YouTube and listen to anybody you want. (laughs) Very aware of that. I do the same thing. You can get the best of the best. Why local? Why a local church? Why, Why Redeemer City Church? Why is it important for you to be faithful to the body that gathers right here? Let's go all the way back to Acts chapter 2. And look at what the core tenets of the very first church and why they gathered together were so important. And still true for you and I today. Why is it so important? Acts chapter 2 verse 42 says this. They devoted themselves. Okay, So they devoted themselves to just a few specific things. And they are still true today. And it's why we do what we do at Redeemer City Church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the word, fellowship, being together, the breaking of bread. We're going to take communion here in just a second. And prayer. Can't get enough of that. Prayer is the language of the kingdom. It's how we communicate with God and each other. Pray for each other. Bible says in this way, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That's how we do church. Now let me give you one more big passage here. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 11 to 16. Here's what it says in regards to the local church. Okay? Now, this is, this is key. We're, we're banking the entire future of Redeemer City Church on these verses. Are you tracking with me? Super important. Everything from this point out we, is going to come from here. Am I putting sufficient weight on this text? Here's what it says. And he, who's he? God, right? God gave... The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. Why? To equip the what? Saints. Here we are again. That's us. For the work of ministry. Now, wait a minute. I thought the pastor did the ministry. Some of it. Not most of it. Very important. My job is to equip you to do what God has called you to do so that you can flourish and be all that God's called you to be. My job is not to do all that God's called you to be. It's to equip you to do all that God's called you to be. And so he's given very specific ministries to the church. And here's why. 
to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of politics. I mean doctrine. Why do I say that? Look at the next phrase. By human cunning. If I'm stepping on your toes, I mean to. Because it steps on my toes because there's so many things in this world that can distract you from the thing that God's called you to be. Whether it's the pursuit of your business and your money or the politics that surround us or we, we could name any hundred things. Getting great grades at school or getting kids that act the way you want them to. Come on. All of those things distract they're all part of it, and they are important, and God will use those things, but they're not the first thing. They're not the first thing. And so we keep going here. Human cunning by craftiness and deceitful schemes. The devil hates you. And he's actively organizing deceitful schemes to get you off track. The devil walks around like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour is what Peter tells us. He's not your fan. If he makes you think he's your fan to get you off track, he'll do that. But he has a very specific end. Verse 15, rather than that, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint in which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, here it is again, so that it builds itself up in love. Every one of us plays a part in what God is doing in the church. God gave those gifts to equip the saints for ministry. We're all called to the ministry. Not all of us to vocational ministry, a job in ministry. But every one of us is on mission for the Lord. Just because I, like Timothy, when Paul wrote to Timothy, said, as a pastor, I want you to go and preach the word. That's my primary calling. But if that's all we have, we will be an immature child as a body of Christ. We need what God's brought you to the body for. And let's figure that out together. That, that's why we talk about growth track all the time. That's why every single person here needs to go through growth track. Not just so you can check it off, but because we want to sit face to face with you and walk you through who has God made you to be and how is he going to use that in the world. How is Redeemer City Church going to be a part of you figuring that out, discipling you in the ways of God and living that on mission all week long? That's why we talk about city groups all the time. Because we're called to be together. We want every single person to be equipped and to be in relationship. What the people devoted themselves to was fellowship. Being together. We need it. Living on mission all week long. Coming together on Sunday to celebrate the goodness of God and share in communion. Be instructed in the word together. Heaven on earth. 
Heaven on earth is not some ambiguous thing out there. Heaven on earth is us in love being together, devoted to those very same things that they were at the very start. That's where we're headed. That's the plan. And we want every single one of you to be a part of it. But as the band comes up, we're going to take a communion together here in a minute. Where does all that come from, though? <laughs> all of that starts with a preeminent or important thing. We touched on it, but I want to just remind us all of what made it possible. As we approach the communion table together, as we devote ourselves to the breaking of bread and the faith, Going back to 1 Corinthians, just a few pages over from where Paul wrote, Faith, hope, and love abide, but the greatest of these is love. By the time we get to chapter 15, he's telling you where that love comes from. And if you're not a Christian today, either in the room or if you're watching this online and you're not a Christian, I just would encourage you to lean in and listen carefully to what I'm about to read because it is the crooks of everything if we don't have this everything else i talked about is worthless because here's what paul writes at the end of his letter to those christians in corinth in first corinthians chapter 15 he writes these words he says now i would remind you of the gospel i preached to you and then here it is which you received and in which you stand. We're going to sing a song here in a second called Stand in Your Love. There's a reason we sing that song with this text. Because it's the thing that we do. It's the only hope that we have. The gospel I preach to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, sanctified. It's always the gospel. It's always an awareness of Jesus. It's always vision up. It's always loving God first. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried, he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Good news. That's the gospel, friends. It's the gospel. It's the thing we hang everything on. If you were to fast forward down to verse 13, Paul would say this. If there's no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. Verse 14, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. 